Hello, hello, and welcome to a very special Canada Day edition of the Hostile Environment Podcast. I am your host, Jay, and I am proud to be your source of entertainment for at least the next, let's say, 40 minutes. And I'm also a proud fucking Canadian, too, eh? So again, happy Canada Day to all you guys listening out there, and even to my American friends. Your day is coming up soon, so happy uh, American Day, fucking Independence Day, or whatever the fuck it is. Um, I gotta tell you, what a show I have for you guys today. I'm just gonna throw this out there now, that I put together a very solid lineup of topics today. I'm going to hit you with some headlines, I'm going to discuss some everyday shit, and then I'm going to tell you a story from Corrections, which I know you guys love, Um, this is what you guys ask for, so I'm going to give you one today, this story I'm going to tell you today was uh, by far the scariest day of my life, and it could have been the end of good old Jay, but uh, you know, obviously since you're listening to my uh, very sexy voice, you know that it wasn't, so... Spoiler alert, uh, I didn't die, <laughs> but before I jump into anything, I've got to, uh, you know, i got to pay the bills, and my God, it feels great saying that out loud, uh, so here we go. Guys, unfortunately, in Canada and most cities in the U.S., we aren't allowed to have house parties or get-togethers or, or poker games or any of that, but uh, if you're like me and you love poker and, you know, you're itching to play and you want to play for free online... Do I have the solution for you? Our friends over at Underdog Podcasts wanted our listeners to know about a very fun event they're having, a completely free poker tournament. No credit card is required to enter, which is huge. I mean, that's a big one. You don't want your information online if you can avoid it, right? And at this poker tournament, you can also win very real prizes. The tournament is called the Underdog Free Roll Invitational, It will be held on Sunday, July 11th at 12.05 Pacific Time. So don't get those mixed up. Remember, Pacific Time, not Eastern Standard Time like we're used to. Registration is now open. Simply head over to Ignition Casino at ignitioncasino.eu. That's I-N-N-I-T-I-O-N casino.eu. And go to the scheduled tournaments poker lobby. And you can find the tournaments under the regular tab. Tournaments are listed in chronological order, so go to July 11th at 3.05 p.m. Eastern Time, and the Underdog uh, Free Roll Invitational will be listed, and you can click register and enter in the exclu- um, and enter the exclusive password, Underdog21. Now, here's the key. This is why I think this is a great idea, is any player who knocks out a host of the tournament will receive an extra bonus as there are bounties on all of the underdog hosts. So I guess these guys feel like they can't get bounced and they're better than you guys. So uh, if you take one of them out, you just, you know, you've uh, you um, up to level basically and you're going to get free prizes or better prizes for doing so. So once again, that's the underdog free roll invitational July 11th at ignitioncasino.eu and you can enter 100% for free with the code underdog21 
So there you go, guys. Something to do over the next couple of weeks. Uh, get your poker game uh, back to being the A game that it was before the lockdowns. And uh, hit up that tournament and let's see what you got. All right? And uh, if you do end up playing, please reach out to me on social media and tell me how you do. Did you knock out any of the hosts? I think I'm going to sign up because I love me some poker. I love uh, I love the rush, man. I love the Texas Hold'em. We used to have big tournaments here all the time before uh, you know all this pandemic shit happened. So anyways... Uh, let's get a few house cleaning issues out of the way. Um, I want to know what you guys thought about the segment I introduced last week. Uh, in case you missed the episode, that's not cool. But if you did, um, I answered a uh, female fan question that wrote into the show and asked me for advice. Um, the feedback I got from you guys on social media has been pretty positive. So I'm, I'm feeling good about it. But something just didn't feel right about that segment. It didn't feel complete. So um, I think it's because the segment didn't actually have a name. Uh, maybe that's not it. I don't know. But that's what I'm going with. Um, so what I did was I put together four options and I posted them just this morning on all my social media uh, for you guys to vote in and um, you know just leave a comment on Facebook or vote on Twitter, whatever the case is. Uh, and, and let's get a name for this segment moving forward because I've already gotten another advice question from another listener. So um, I, I guess somebody wants to hear what I have to say. Sure, what the hell, I'm in. Anyways, uh, the, the four options for the segment are as follows. Uh, not a Dr. J is in. Uh, what would J do? The hostile pod couch and hostile advice with J. So please go, please go and vote, guys. Uh, you have four days until voting is closed. Um, and so far, as of 3 o'clock this afternoon, there's already 11 votes on four different platforms. And in the lead at present, I believe, is the Hostile Pod Couch, which I actually didn't see coming. But, I mean, you guys are the ones voting, so if that's what you want, that's what I'm going to go with. So don't forget to go on Facebook or IG or email and, and tell me what you like and, and uh, you know, that... Whatever you guys vote on is what's, what's going to be the title. So, um, And if you guys need to know where to find me on social media, well, I got no problem with that because here we go. On Facebook, you can find me at Jay Cowell. So I put the, the, a screenshot of the Twitter uh, poll on Facebook and just comment at the bottom. You know, put one, two, three, four, A, B, C, D, or write the title, whatever you want. Just leave some sort of comment. On IG, um, it's also posted on there, so you can comment on that. Host dot enviro dot pod i did not put it on tiktok because that would make zero sense but i am on tiktok at the hostile environment pod on twitter is where i posted the poll so you can go and vote for the poll there it's at podcast underscore hostile and uh, i've already gotten an email so um, you guys are definitely liking the email more than anything else i see um, that is j dot hostile dot environment at gmail.com and don't forget guys i am now on patreon um, where you can buy me a coffee. So uh, that is, just go on the Patreon page and look for the Hostile Environment Podcast. My logo will pop up. And you can kindly donate $2 of your hard-earned money. And uh, that would be very, very nice and very helpful to me. So uh, the plugs are out of the way. And since we are on the topic of social media, well, we just finished it, but here we are. Uh, I have been getting absolutely attacked on Twitter by the Frisbee Golf community. That is a thing. Um, I was scrolling along some videos the other day on Twitter, minding my own business, and I came across a video uh, put out by uh, SportsCenter of a guy named James Conrad, 
And this guy made a shot with a Frisbee to force a playoff in the Disc Golf World Championships. Uh, and as I'm watching this, you know, uh, this video and this hippie asshole make the shot, which I will admit it was incredibly difficult. So I'm not taking any away from the shot itself. But as I'm watching uh, the video, these fans, the fans, I'm telling you, were going crazy in the audience. And there's, I'm looking at the video, and there's there's betting odds on who's going to win the tournament, and there's commentators, and and so this guy makes the shot for par, and people are going bananas, and. You know, at first when I watched it, I thought it was like Happy Gilmore. I thought it was a goof. I thought it was like a fake video put out by SportsCenter, but it wasn't. Uh, this is not a fake sport. It's very much real. And um, I'm thinking to myself, no way is this a legit televised sporting event. But boy, was I wrong. And not only was I wrong, but I made the huge mistake of tweeting out and basically talking shit in a playful way though i wasn't trashing frisbee golf but i i, I tweeted out uh, my tweet was and this is word for word i put so many questions this uh is this considered a sport um this is on tv this sport actually has fans that attend and there's a pro tour and the last one i put and are horseshoes and lawn darts also on tv and do they have pro tours as well well fuck me man the frisbee golf community somehow they united to attack me because after I sent that tweet out and I put my phone down, not even thinking about it, um, my phone was going off every two, three, four minutes. It was crazy. I was having dinner and, and my phone was just dinging and dinging. And as I'm opening it, I'm seeing some very hurtful comments. And uh, I got to say, uh, these Frisbee assholes, man, they, they really ripped me a new one. I mean, they weren't just unkind. Some of them were downright nasty. It's like, the, like the, I was surprised, man. I'm not going to lie. Um, I really hit a nerve. Um, so yeah, my phone was dinging for, it had to be well over 12 hours. I was just getting more and more and more. And the, the comments were any anything from, um, yes, they're legitimate athletes, asshole. Um, you try throwing a disc 600 feet, idiot. It's actually more difficult than real golf, asshole. So that's asshole twice. So that's that's nice. Um, get off your fat ass and try it yourself. Well, that's just that's just hurtful. Uh, and yep, it's a sport. And then they put the acronym STFU, which we all know is shut the fuck up. So it was yep, it's a sport STFU. And why don't you cry about it? So usually nine times out of ten, I'd write back and start a war mostly out of just sheer boredom because, you know, that, that it's fun to fuck with people. But I was getting it from all sides. And I knew that if I started this, it probably wasn't going to end anytime soon. And I didn't want to spend 24 hours arguing with the Frisbee golf community. So I put my phone down. There was no combat, uh, comebacks. There was no um, offense on my side of any kind. And fuck, man, Jesus, who knew, right? Who knew? I mean fucking frisbee golf on tv legitimate athletes um you know as i'm watching most of the athletes i saw look like hippie stoners who drove like a 1980s van with a wolf painted on the door and you know they, they play hacky sack and they're listening to the doors i mean what's next professional egg tossing am i gonna get uh, you know attacked by the egg tossing community or um how about um potato potato sack racing Maybe that's going to be like the next big Olympic event. 
Or how about the snorkeling world championships? I mean, is there a snorkeling community out there that's just as vicious as these guys? I don't know. But, I don't know. Legitimate athletes? I don't know. It's a, it's a bit of a fucking... It's a bit of a stretch for me. So, you guys can... Uh, not that you're listening. I don't think I have any Frisbee golf enthusiasts listening to the show. But if you do, get fucking bent. All right? So, uh, let's do some headlines that you'll never find... Or, sorry, that you'll find on your phone that you'll never see on TV. Uh, but before, and that's before we get to my story for today. So let's zip through these quickly because I got a couple of good ones. Let's start off with police break up exorcism in lumber aisle of Home Depot. Authorities busted up an attempted exorcism in the timber aisle of a Home Depot in Dixon City, Pennsylvania on Monday. Officers showed up at the Home Depot at 3.30 p.m. on Monday for a call about disorderly people at the store. Two individuals were having an exorcism in the lumber aisle for all of the dead trees. Both men were dressed all in black, were chanting, moaning, and also dancing, making a very large and uncomfortable scene, but were eventually escorted out of the store when asked to leave by police. But here, like, that, that was the end of the story, but I have questions. I mean, uh, you know, were the evil demons forced back into hell? Were they, were they, are they exercised? I mean, how did that work out? Or, like, what if I buy that lumber and I build a deck out of it? Is my deck going to be possessed with these two evil, or with all these evil two-by-fours? I mean, that's, you know, can you answer that question for me? Or did the police actually let them finish and if they did let them finish their little seance or exorcism or whatever it was, were they successful? I mean, we need answers. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever get them because these two individuals uh, have apparently disappeared. Uh, let's move on to another headline that's a little more normal. How about police pull Maserati out of Lake Ontario in Mississauga? A luxury vehicle has been pulled out of Lake Ontario after it plunged into the water overnight. Peel Police report shortly before 2.30 a.m. on Saturday. Police received a call that a Maserati entered the water near Lakeshore East and Front Street. The driver of the car somehow sustained no injuries. At this time, it is unknown why the vehicle entered the water. The car was completely submerged and about seven feet deep in the lake. Divers located the car, attached chains to it that were also connected to a tow truck, which slowly pulled it out of the water. It is not known if the driver will face any charges or fines at this time. Um, so you're driving a Maserati, super fast. It's a super expensive car. It's 2.30 in the morning on a Saturday night, and you drive into a lake. Uh, I'm just going to take a stab in the dark here, but methinks alcohol might have been involved in this situation. Just a thought. Um, you know, and in case you were wondering, the low-end Maserati uh, starts around $97,000 and can go well over $150,000. Or, if that's a little out of your budget, you know, to drop that much coin right off the bat, you can lease one for $939 a month. Uh, you know, for that price, maybe, um, you know, it should be a boat and should be able to float across the water as well for $150,000 or, you know, 1000 bucks a month. Just a thought. Maybe that's what he was thinking. I don't know. All right, what do we got? What's next? What's next? Uh, ooh, I got a good one. This is my favorite headline of the day. British influencer identifies as Korean after 18 surgeries. No shit, this is actually real. A white British-born influencer who identifies as non-binary 
is also identifying as Korean after having 18 surgeries to look like the lead singer of BTS. Oli London, who uses they-them pronouns, shared a series of videos to explain why they've gone through multiple procedures to look like the BTS member Jimin, whatever, whoever the fuck that is. Um, I'm finally Korean. I've transitioned. I'm so happy. I've completed my new look. I've been trapped in the wrong body for over eight years, and that's the worst feeling in the world when you are trapped and you don't feel like you can be yourself. In another video, London Speaks in Korean said, they, they've always identified as Korean. That's just my culture. Maybe I should get a few dozen surgeries and identify as Elon Musk, or maybe Justin Timberlake, or fuck it, I'll, I'll, I'll identify as The Rock. Right? I mean, I've seen the movie Face Off with John Travolta and I think it was Nicolas Cage. I know how this movie ends. I know how the story ends. It's it, Only good things can happen, right? I mean, you have 18 surgeries to look like anyone in the world and you choose the lead singer of a Korean boy band. Holy fuck. What a fucking disaster of a human being. Like, nice life choices, dude. Like, come on. Fucking get with it. And then I'm, I'm being called an asshole for goofing on Frisbee golf? No, 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 folks. This is an asshole. This is a true asshole, ladies and gentlemen. So good luck to that guy. Or, sorry, that person. Um, anyways, that's enough for the headlines for today, as I do have a story to tell you that is quite in-depth, and we're already 17 minutes in, so I have to get to it now, because I don't want to make the show too long. So, I'm going to start off this, this uh, story just by saying... Um, Except for my daughter getting stabbed, which I talked about in the first episode way back in March on the podcast, and my wife who had an emergency C-section while she was about to give birth to our first daughter, um, that was a crazy day. Um, you know, both of their hearts heart rates dropped um, like so low that they whisked her out of the the waiting um, the, the waiting room and they, uh, into a hallway, and then she was just gone and taken for an emergency surgery. And I had no idea what was going on. It was a really scary event, but it all turned out okay. But other than those two days, this is by far the scariest day of my life. So here we go, guys. Um, it happened at the Don Jail in about 2012. Um, no, it happened in 2012, actually, for sure. Um, so let me start at the beginning because this has a lot of background to it, this story. Um, anyways, obviously you know uh, that inmates get mail from friends and loved ones while they're in, in the institution, while they're being held um, and, and when that mail gets to the institution, there is usually a certain officer assigned who uh, opens the mail, logs the mail, where it came from, what inmate it's going to, and then um, it's supposed to also skim through the letter just to make sure there's nothing crazy illegal or super inappropriate that shouldn't be written and, and given to the inmate. And um, if there is, they actually we have to log it and then put it in the inmate's property for um, them to receive upon release or when they get transferred to another institution, this mail goes with them, right? Um, but, and, oh, in some cases, um, the, you know, shit that's written in that gets handed over to police depending on the content, right? So um, it's the same thing with inappropriate photos as well. And let me tell you, boy, did we used to see some extremely inappropriate photos from ladies sending them into the jail for their men, right? So... Uh, shit that shouldn't have got through definitely came upstairs. Um, I may or may not have even kept a couple of pictures. I, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, 
the person assigned to do the job at the Don Jail was, um, let's just say, incompetent and lazy as fuck, to say the least. And they were letting shit get through all the time that never should have come upstairs. So a bunch of officers, we just took it upon ourselves to read the mail ourselves before giving it to the inmates. And, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes we did it just out of sheer entertainment because some of the shit that was written was hilarious, right? And um, it also helped pass the time. If you're working a 12-hour shift, you know, there's only so many times you can skim through the newspaper or, or you know, like do your security rounds. Like you got to kill 12 hours, right? So reading other people's mail, it's kind of entertaining. So uh, one day I'm working in segregation. You guys all know what segregation is. It's when a person's in a cell by themselves. And, uh, I know I decided to kick my feet up and read some of the incoming mail that's going to the inmates in segregation. And as I'm reading, I see that a guy has written in and is explaining in full detail, um, about, uh, a couple of murders that were committed in Vancouver. And, you know, sometimes you, you, you think they're fake, but I knew this was legit just by the, the content, just by the, the context of the way that it was written. I could tell this was probably pretty legit. So being the upstanding officer that I was, I went to my superiors with the letters. I explained what I, what, what's in there. They skimmed over them. And next thing you know, the police were called and brought in. And sure enough, the inmate uh, who was about to receive the mail was already being investigated for these very things, these very two murders that happened in Vancouver. But he was also being held at the Don Jail because he was being charged with murder here in Toronto as well. So the inmate's name, and obviously I'll never forget it, was Dean Wewichar. And it turns out he was a um, hired assassin. And you may remember this. You know, we're going back nine years. But um, in 2012, uh, two men walked into a cafe in broad daylight in Little Italy. Uh, they were dressed as construction workers. And it was during the Euro Cup. So they were all sitting around watching the soccer game. And they walked in and assassinated a guy right in the middle of the coffee shop. Uh, the guy's name was John Raposo, who got killed. So this guy, Dean Wewichar, the hired assassin, he was hired by a guy who had serious ties to the Hells Angels and, and probably a bunch of other groups. And they wanted this guy, John Raposo, dead. And Dean Wewichar pulled it off. So after me turning this mail over to police, uh, they then charged him with this pair of shootings in B.C., that happened earlier in 2012 before he actually made it to Toronto and pulled off this other murder. So somehow, and I don't know why, and I'll never know obviously to this day, but Dean Wewichar found out um, how he was charged uh, with these BC killings and who it was who turned in his mail. It was me, right? And the next time I worked that unit, which was either the, usually when you get assigned a, a unit, there's a good chance the next day, and at least the next day after that as well, you're going to be working that unit for the next three or four days, right? So sure enough, the next day after he was charged, I was working the unit with him again. And uh, I'm in there, and I'm feeding him his lunch, which is basically just, you know, giving him his tray inside of his cell. And he says to me, uh, hey, are you Officer Cowell? And, you know, I, I confirmed that I was, because I had no idea that he knew anything. I knew he'd been charged, but I didn't know he knew anything. And I don't know. I still don't know how he knew anything. Um, I, when I said I was, then he goes, "Yeah, you got me charged with two murders in BC, and I'm gonna fucking kill you." Uh, okay, so like just to give you guys a heads up, I mean, I've been threatened a shit ton over the years at that job. Most of the threats are empty. 
you know, some guys generally wanted to kill me, but you knew they never would, right? It's just, you know, like people talk a lot of shit. But when this guy, Wewachar, when he told me that, you know, he was going to kill me, I could see it in his fucking cold, dead eyes that he, he legitimately meant it. He really, he wanted me dead. So, you know, my shift ends without incident. I forget all about Wewachar's death threat. You know, I go home, blah, blah, blah. And um, actually, before I go any further, before I get into the next part of the story, I guess I have to explain a few things just to make you guys understand how this works. Um, inmates clean their own cells. They clean their own eating areas. They clean their own washrooms. They clean everything. There is no cleaning lady from Family Guy coming in to clean their cells and, and you know their communal eating areas or anything like that, right? Um, and because uh, the Don Jail... Um, the inmates were fed, uh, they weren't fed in their cells. So um, the only time they were fed in their cells was when they were in lockdown. Otherwise, they were at four giant metal picnic benches. That's where they would eat. That's where they would watch TV. That's where they would draw, read, whatever, right? Most of the days, that's where they spent the majority of their time was at these steel tables. And like I said, that's where they eat the majority of their meals. Um, but after the meals are, are, you know, after mealtime's over and lunch is over, blah, blah, most inmates were locked back into their cells and a select few inmates are left out to clean the day area, right? Um, so that means the floors, the tables, the washroom, the, the showers, everything, right? Um, as correctional officers, we didn't pick the inmates who cleaned, uh, the inmates picked themselves and that was usually a show of power. It was usually the inmates who commanded the most respect or the highest profile guys, um, you know, so if, if you were like uh, a huge gangbanger or a mobster or a biker, you got to stay out because that showed everybody that you were fucking big time, right? So anyways, once uh, once it was decided who was staying out, they would be given a mop, a broom, uh, a shower scrubber, and obviously, you know, cleaning liquids and soap and shit, and a mop bucket. Um, you know, and, and nine times out of ten, usually, there were no more than four inmates left out. One would clean the showers and the toilets, the other guys would do tables, one guy would do floors, and usually one guy sat around and just fucking stared at people because he was the most powerful fucking, what they call the heavy on the unit. Um, so, uh, if, if you were a good officer, you only had four guys out. But if you were a, you know, a, a shitty, dumb, lazy, useless fuck, like the officer who was in charge of this unit we're about to talk about. Uh, in this case, they had six or seven guys out uh, cleaning, which is you know unheard of. You shouldn't. You, it shouldn't have been done. Anyways, I was working on another unit, and a code blue was called. So remember, I explained last episode what a code blue was. It means there's trouble, and the officers who are in that area require assistance immediately. So you, one of someone has to go. Right, so if you're working, if there's two of you working, which usually is, one of you stays, the other one has to go. Somebody goes, and as usual, I was the guy. I shot out of my chair to respond, and when, so when when you get to another unit and the door opens, you have a very short time to evaluate the situation and react accordingly. So when I got there and I looked into the unit to evaluate the situation, I saw five or six guys had surrounded one guy near the bathroom in the back of the unit and the one guy had a broom in his hand in his hands in his possession which he was using to hold these guys off basically like so he was you know fighting them off with the broom um, these guys were clearly going to attack him and you know 
considering there were six or seven guys, there was a good chance this guy was going to die, I'm guessing. But, you know, who knows? So the door opens, and myself and two other officers, uh, this guy Apruda and Walters, that we were the three guys who went in first, we, or what you call the first wave, right? So we get into the unit, and, we're, you know, we're trying to keep this guy alive. That's our goal. And when we rushed in and we commanded the, the inmates to stop what they were doing, and, you know, we said, like, stand down and, you know, anything else, something along those lines, um, they actually listened. And uh, there was no violence at that point, right? So as they started to separate and actually started to go back into their cells or, or just at least get away from this dude they were surrounding, um, when they did, I saw that the guy who was holding the broom was this guy, Dean Wewichar. So he was the guy cornered in the, with the broom in his hands, and then he sees me, and he looked directly into my eyes. And as he did, he took the broom, and he snapped it over his leg. So now it's more like a spear than a broom, because it's got this fucking crazy sharp end at the, at the end of it, right? And he looks right at me, he says, now you're going to fucking die. And he started running towards me, like something like Russell Crowe out of Gladiator. That's all I kept thinking. Um, so, you know, when... when when you're trapped in a confined space and a guy is trying to literally murder you with a wooden spear, your options are kind of limited, right? I mean, you can either stand and fight or you can just run like the wind. I, being the guy I am and, you know, I'm not trying to fucking, you know, make myself look like a superstar, but I chose to stand and fight because I just, I, running away is not my thing. And as he started running towards me, the first thing that popped in my head was, I'm going to start running towards him. And that's what I did. So I start running towards him. And as he lifted the spear over his head to literally try and harpoon me like a seal, I just football speared the shit out of him at full speed. And we both hit the ground together. And as we hit the ground, he lost the spear. And now we're rolling around and he's trying to punch me in the face. And he's trying to choke me. And I'm just trying, I'm, I've got his head and I'm trying to press it down onto the ground and try and keep him and, and, and you know, trying to keep his head down and then I've got his hands and anyways we're rustling around and we're rolling around and thankfully the other two officers Walters and Apruda they grabbed him off of me and we subdued him until the captain arrived in the unit with the handcuffs so then he's at, he's taken to segregation where he spent the rest of his days at the Don jail until he was um, transferred out to another institution so eventually Dean Wewichar was convicted of um, the hired killings in Toronto he was sentenced to life in prison, and then after he was convicted here, he was extradited to British Columbia, and uh, he was also convicted of those murders as well. So he's serving life somewhere, whether it be in Toronto or BC, I don't know, but either way, he'll never see the light of day, which is probably good for me, because I'm pretty sure if we ran into each other at home hardware or something like that, uh, he would not want to fucking see me, and I'd probably have a fucking hammer in the back of the skull. So... Uh, like I said, uh, this incident was the closest I've ever come to death. Um, it's an experience I will obviously never, ever forget for the rest of my life. Um, unfortunately, this is all part of the job. Um, you know, you, you sign up for this shit. So when shit like this happens, you know, there's there's no crying. There's just not. Because you know the risks when you fill your name out on the application. You, you realize that, you know, this shit could happen. And, you know, that's what makes jail so dangerous, right? I mean... It's literally filled with murderers and rapists and gangs, and they just don't like cops or correctional officers. And on every, any given day, you could be in a situation just like the one I just described to you, which I was in. You know, but thankfully, 
you know, it's 2021. I don't have to worry about getting murdered anymore. I'm not in that position anymore. And that's just a good thing. Am I right? You know, so, hey, it is what it is. All right, y'all, that is the end of the show for today. But please do not forget to go to ignitioncasino.eu and sign up for the, uh, the free poker tournament. Like I said, there's real prizes and there's no credit card needed to play. The tournament is on July 11th, so log in and sign up now. Until Monday, guys, enjoy the weekend. Remember, tell somebody you love them and stock up on alcohol. And until then, I will talk to you guys on Monday. And until then, you know what I'm going to say, right? You know, say it with me. Bye for now. <laughs>